in the words of our guest today, Roxanne Partridge, to all y'all soul-working women befriending your shadows, liberating closeted golden eggs, unearthing buried vessels of vitality, lubricating caught throats with song, cleansing bones of patriarchy, rewiring your birthright to love into the light of your eyes and the fiber of your being, and rebirthing yourself with your blood. I see you. Roxanne works with menstruality, sexuality, empowerment, and embodiment from the depths up and out. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Embody Podcast, a show about remembering and embodying your true nature, inner wisdom, embodied healing, and self-love. My name is Candace Wu, and I'm a holistic healing facilitator, intuitive coach, and artist sharing my personal journey of vulnerability, offering meditations and guided healing support, and having co-creative conversations with healers and wellness practitioners from all over the world. Hey, it's wonderful to have you here today. It is the first month of December, 2019. Wow, we are headed into the depths of winter for some uh, some places in the world and how fitting because we're talking a lot about the darkness and depths within ourselves here in this episode with Roxanne Partridge. She is the founder of Embody Period, which has many meanings, which you'll hear about in this episode. I have a couple of announcements before we jump into everything. First, this episode is the 100th episode of the Embody podcast. 100. That means it's the 100th episode, but that doesn't include the experientials and meditations that are held under as an umbrella the main episodes. So the main episodes are up to 100. So that is a big accomplishment for this podcast. And for me, it's been just wonderful doing this podcast and coming up with ideas, sharing, and putting my voice out there in this way. I thank you so much for all of you who have in some way fueled this podcast to continue forward and to um, have the life and love that it does. All of you listening, all of you sharing the podcast with someone, a friend or client who may benefit just remembering it and tuning in once in a while, or if you are a consistent listener, and if you have supported the podcast in any way with monetary donations, thank you so much from the bottom of my, of my heart. And you are all here. Um, I invite you all to celebrate with me the 100th episode. I have another piece to share, but this one is of a different tone. I want to share that silver the horse that I connected with at Silver Horse Retreat with Sarah Fancy, my mentor for horse constellations, Silver has passed away. If you've been following my podcast, you might have already heard about Silver and how he, uh, the second morning I was there on retreat with Sarah and the horses, that he went down. He was lying down and he couldn't get up because his leg was stuck in a part of the the barrier, the fence, and she had to pull him out. And he like huffed and puffed and finally got on his legs. 
was crouching down and then bounced off the railing. And then he was fine. And she was worried at that time that uh, he was getting old and maybe was going to pass soon. But he lived on for another, I think, six to eight months after that, up until just last week. In another podcast, I've shared about my meditations with him and horse constellation experiences with him. I'll link those in the show notes if you want to hear about my experiences and um, take this time to honor Silver with me. There are three main episodes that highlight my experiences with Silver or stories about him through Sarah. And those are at candacecom slash dancing with horses or slash horse constellations or slash Sarah Fancy. And right now I'd like to take this moment to honor Silver, to thank him for his love and presence, his connection, and all of the lives and souls and hearts that he's touched, including mine. He lived, I believe, 35 long years of life and outlived many other horses, according to Sarah. And I am just so blessed that he was on earth at a time that I got to meet him and share the time together. I will never forget the time I was trying to bring him up to this smaller arena. And there was um, a little trail, a rocky trail that went upward to get to this space. And I had taken the wrong way up. And he was telling me no, because he refused to go up it. And at some point... He gave in, I was really patient, but he gave in and said, okay, let's, let's do this. And sure enough, it was the wrong way. And it was this disaster of going uphill. And so I ended up just going back down, of course, the right way. And at that point, he did not want to go back up. And so I um, chose to listen and we walked together back towards his normal space and we just stayed outside of it but we stood there and meditated for about 35 minutes just standing there neither of us even made any moves and we had this beautiful meditation experience standing in presence together even though there was hay on the ground he wasn't bothered or interested he was just with me we were together and it was magical Thank you, Silver, and I'm sending you my blessings on your journey, and may you be in peace and love. Before we jump into the episode, it's also fitting that the Ally with Death Experiential, which is now an audio experience, is out there. It is alive, despite the name of death, but it is perfectly fitting for the cycles of life and death that we speak to here in this episode, the cycle of your period, the cycle of your moon cycle, that's your personal moon cycle, and the collective moon cycles, the cycle of life and death that reflect itself through the seasonal shifts, and here getting into the underbellies of winter. This guided audio experience is beautiful because it features music, hand pan music by artist Larry St. Germain, who tailored the music to this specific experience to stir and shake up the blood, 
the stagnancy, the life force in you, anything that needs to die or be let go of, what wants to be seen through you, through your soul, through your spirit, through your body, your mind, and what wants to die off so that there can be more space for life itself, for being, for your vital core essence, and the luminosity of yourself that wants to shine through in this next step of your life. And here we are, a month away from 2020, where we're stepping into another decade of life. Well, for some. So here, when we embrace death, that natural cycle of what wants to end and what needs to be looked at inside of us gets its space, gets its tending to and attention and love, where it fertilizes the soil for what's coming up in your life and for beauty to be created in what's coming and what's going to be revealed all set to music that will support you in embodying this shift and transmuting the energies within yourself so that you can fully, with full body, move forward into what is coming up for you and purposeful, meaningful experience. A shout out to also Chris Spiegel, who produced and edited that experiential and spent his artistic attention to crafting the sounds and my voice to go together in a way that stimulates and invokes, conjures up what wants to come forward. You can find this experiential at candicewu.com slash death. And if you jump on now or soon, there's a sale there for you. It is great as a gift to yourself or as a gift to clients, friends, family, um, people around you that might benefit from it as well. Again, that's at CandiceWu.com slash death. So this episode was super fun, and there's an added element of surprise here in this episode where you'll find out something about me and about Roxanne that connects us, is a very binding force between us of resonance. Roxanne Partridge is known for inspiring and guiding others into embodying their unique, sustainable fullness. Women, menstruators, and individuals that seek a safe and healing and inclusive space to explore menstruality, sexuality, and embodied identity are empowered through her in-depth and creative approach. She just radiates juicy, soulful play and depth, and I absolutely love talking with her. She's a healer, scholar, activist, and has lectured and facilitated workshops in various locations as well as through her private practice. And she's also an advocate for equal rights to imagination for images of female embodied experience. She's informed by feminist post-Jungian liberational archetypal and eco-psychological theory and practices and attends to the nuances of experience in the context of daily life, cultural and familial backgrounds, manifestations of the unconscious, such as dreams. She received her clinical hypnotherapy certification from the Santa Barbara Institute of Hypnotherapy and trained with revolutionary sex therapist Gina Ogden in her medicine wheel method of relational sexuality 
and received her PhD in depth psychology from Pacifica Graduate Institute in California. Her background in holistic therapies and the arts form a creative container for deep and catalytic work. So you're in for a treat here. Feel free to grab a candle and a cup of tea or something that just makes you feel in your own aliveness or makes you feel in some sort sense of beauty and enjoy. So Roxanne, we're here together. Are you there? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Hi. <laughs> I'm here. You're there. We both have our candles burning. I've got a cup of tea and mm. my salt light on, salt lamp on. And it's just so, so delightful to be here with you today. Same here. <laughs> I uh, just took a look at your Instagram and I just love looking at your Instagram, like the juicy images and luscious words that you write and just feel so um so much from your soul and your gut and your being that Mm. um these words feel like they always in some place in me enliven and awaken more of me and you just your work inspires and guides people to bring forward their natural and wild and goddess self and their sexual essence and who they are. Um, I can't wait to talk to you about this. Mm. (laughs) I love that that's your experience looking at um, my Instagram account. It's one, one thing I love about that platform is being so image forward, you know, and having such a wonderful access to art and a way for me it feels like a way of kind of watering the imagination for what's possible you know um yeah to imagine like you're saying like a to give representation excuse me to parts of ourselves that we may not even fully know but sense Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, you know what I mean, like to to find an image that maybe is surprising or strange, but somehow compelling, <laughs> and resonates with with some experience, whether it's like you know an experience of um, cyclicity, an experience of sexual, like a sexual sort of sense of identity and having it be um, reflected back. Cause I feel like there can be such a, I mean, within patriarchy, right. Mm-hmm. Imagination um, embodied imagination for women is often kind of stuck in a corner behind a door that says something like, you know, for reproduction only or crazy or, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just a social co- construct or something, you know, right. and how to like give it some more space and, you know, wander around and how it wants to speak. And like you said, the kind of messiness of it. 
Yeah, you know, there's such a um like a cleaned up version through patriarchy that you know we I often find myself like breaking down in my mind around like how we even um like the spaces in which we're using um how we even let all of that imagination just go full out in a way I don't think I'm describing this well but I'm just thinking of like nature <laughs> like being out mm-hmm. in nature and breaking down the wall of where we think that good work is or where we think we can do things and experience in in I don't even know if I'm making any sense to myself but that's what came up <laughs> and um let's just shift back to your work of menstrual sexual empowered embodiment mm. from the depths up and out is what um these are your words and i'd love to hear from you how you see your work and what you do yeah thank you mm. yeah from the depths up and out um some of what that means to me is well, from the depths, it's like the depths of psyche, the depths of soul, the depths of our bodies, um, the kind of underworldly experiences that are of our unconscious, of our dream world at night when we're sleeping, um, the parts of ourselves that may not have a lot of representation in our day-to-day lives mm-hmm. and ways of creatively like inviting and befriending and welcoming those parts of ourselves that are in the depths and getting to know who they are, who's here, um, what do they need, what's their story and what happens um, as they begin to meet the waking life versions of ourselves. And I sometimes refer to this as this kind of like inner social justice work of getting to know. (laughs) (laughs) That makes so much sense. (laughs) You know, like really befriending the marginalized parts of our psyche. And so that's kind of what the depths um, means for me and, and what it's like to to come up and out of the depths, to rise up from the underworld, from the darkness, and find footing on the topsoil and be integrated into our day-to-day life and how that can change the landscape of things. And in my experience for myself and also with the women I work with, um, usually what this begins to look like is a way a greater experience of aliveness and like a real full sense of direction that's grounded in like kind of our psychic roots, if you will. Mm. That's beautiful. Mm. You know, um, your words here, um, about your paradigm of seeing where you see 
troublesome emotional and behavioral symptoms, suffering, questions of identity. Instead of seeing it that way, you're seeing that as invitation into a deeper and wider understanding of your personal purpose, potential healing, transformation, and embodied autonomy. I love these words. And uh, something that happened for us right before we started recording <laughs> makes this all click because I was like, did, did I like that? Sounds like something I would write. Um, would you like to share what you just, the little oh, bottom yeah. you just read from before? <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, Candace, when I began to look at your work and listen to your podcasts and read your Instagram posts and the words on your website, I was like, oh, this is so familiar. And, and when we first arranged to talk and we scheduled a time, I, you know, discovered that we have, you and I have like the same exact birthday. And that we were both born in the same year on the spring equinox. It's, it just blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've met people with the same birthday before, but not someone like you. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? <laughs> it was just, I mean, like I said, it's so uncanny to me. It Like the... The modalities that you've been drawn to, the way, the ideas that you synthesize, the, the, your, your emphasis as well of embodiment and embodying your nature. And for me, my version of that is embody period with a dot at the end to have a little menstrual pun there. But it's also like, yeah, embodiment <laughs> full stop, you know, like, <laughs> yes, that's what this yes, is all I was about. Wondering about that. Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and that emergent kind of energy that is especially in this part of the world um where we have four seasons of like you know coming out of winter and coming up you know and that kind of persephone demeter type of story of of emerging from the underworld and um so towards life and new beginnings and restoration and all of that, that your work speaks to that feels so resonant to what is, you know, the ground of, of what I do as well. And it's just incredible to, to have this kind of day <laughs> that we share together, be, be recognized, you know? <laughs> it absolutely is. I, I'm just like, I'm still a little um, in awe about it and I it's so touching it's so cool to meet you I mean this isn't the first time but to discover this together and um to really see the resonance in your work and who you are it's amazing mm. just amazing yeah <laughs> it was so cool I haven't met that many people with the same like I've met people like the day before or after and you know, and just yeah. to feel that like shared, um, I don't know what it feels like for you, but for me, it, it just, it feels like just part of the fiber of my being, you know, to like this mm -hmm. energy that starts to stir as soon as we enter the month of March. It's just like, 
bigger than me. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I just had my astrology read. Uh, I have someone I work with every couple of months just to check in and see what's going on in the planetary shifts. And I didn't, maybe like 10 years ago, eight years ago, I didn't really believe in astrology very much or just didn't have a connection. Mm -hmm. And um, so much more than ever, it makes sense to me. (laughs) And it is so much just clicks with what's already happening. with what my astrologer says and how I already see that happening in my life. And so when I, when you shared this with me, it just, it brought all that up, this sense of, of how well orchestrated everything is Mm. in this universe and us being born on the same day within six hours apart. (laughs) We have, (laughs) you know, two different ways of expression and yet so much, similarity and I I know I have a moon in Gemini so that must mean you have a moon in Gemini mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know for those of you who know what that means <laughs> makes sense to why we're here in this way yeah. in our lives I think yeah oh it's yeah. so sweet thanks for finding me <laughs> oh <laughs> maybe you found me in some way because it felt like it felt yeah yeah both ends oh wow yeah (laughs) well so that really brings me to this question of what how how did you get to this place on your journey Mm. where you are today and what you do Mm. and who you are yeah oh so many ways to answer um i know it's a giant (laughs) question That's just not fair, is it? <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. It's let me feel into that. Um, it truly feels like a calling that has been mm, sounding within me for as long as I can remember. Um, and when I like in that calling being, I mean, and and kind of fine-tuning it over the years, but Mm -hmm. um, it always was being in a space with women and listening to stories. And from a really early age, you know, I'm talking about elementary school years, um, women of all different ages would tell me their stories and I would hold it. I would sit in that space. And yeah, at times it was definitely a lot for (laughs) a seven year old or something to hear. But there was also a part of me that was like, yeah, like I'm ready for this. Um, And, and there's always this kind of, I grew up with um, a lot of esoteric and mystical conversation around the dinner table Um, largely held by my uncles on my father's side of the family and um, some family friends. My mom has a best friend who uh, was a midwife and she would come and stay at our house sometimes when she had a birth nearby. And I would just stay at the kitchen table with them for hours and hours and listen to her stories of being at births and 
her stories of her worldview of like kind of why we're here and uh, the soulfulness and purposefulness of our life journeys. And it all just kind of made sense to me. Um, I've always been drawn to, to poetry and art and soul work and the animated world. Um, so in that way it was, Oh, there was like, like a groundwork. I think that was just kind of there. Mm -hmm. And, and I've definitely done a lot of different things at different points in my life. And I've traveled a lot and I've wandered and, um, when I, when I entered into the field of depth psychology, I think that's when everything kind of began to take the shape that things are in now. When I found, um, when I found the field of depth psychology, I really felt like this kind of homecoming. I was like, okay, like this is a language that articulates what I just kind of know to be possible. Like this is a way that embraces um, embraces my own experience, embraces what mm. I felt was was calling at me behind like the eyes and the stories of women. And a lot of that, like coming from a archetypal psychology and like Jungian psychological mm -hmm. framework and liberation psychologies is this idea of a pluralistic psyche and that we contain like a multitude of selves within and and a kind of mythic mythopoetics of soul in personifying our different parts of ourselves, you know, like that inner social justice work I mentioned earlier. Um, and how mm -hmm. how healing and liberating it is to to acknowledge that there is soul making happening in, let's say, premenstrual experience. Um, which I suppose, you know, and I, I say that since menstruality is an emphasis of my work, and I guess another way that brought me here is, is being witness to really difficult menstrual experience growing up and also being witness to male or patriarchal like reduction of a mm. woman to her menstruality and and the way that menstrual experience is so often reduced to hormones you know the female yeah. hysterical nature like these types of things and like always knowing like that's just that's not it like that's not the full story and recognizing now like and there's so much research that supports this that you know these these things don't happen our our menstrual selves don't 
don't exist in a vacuum and that our psyche, you know, that there is, there is, I'm going to pause right here if that's okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like I'm getting off track. (laughs) I, I don't think so. I think you're talking about the juicy stuff, you know, Um, But yeah, you shared a lot. And yeah, let's just take a pause together. Yeah. Are you interested in sharing what that experience of being witness to a painful menstrual experience was like for you? Yeah. Um, You know, it's funny when I began writing my dissertation, which is largely on this idea of menstrual imagination. And I was examining what my own transference was to the topic. Mm-hmm. I had this kind of hand to forehead moment <laughs> where I was like, oh, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, I thought like initially my, the topic of my research shifted from embodied sexuality and this kind of relationship between sexuality and, and eco-psychology and our relationship to the earth. And it shifted literally overnight to menstruality on a night that I was painfully bleeding and decided to have a conversation with my uterus. And that was the turning point. But as I, you know, and when I addressed my uterus and all this pain and and asked it, you know, just as I would a dream image, like, who are you? What's here? What's going on? What do you need? Um, What I met was this kind of a mourner, this like, someone who was in mourning and had been in mourning for a very long time. And, and they were mourning, this image was mourning the loss of meaning. Oh. And I sat with that and I was like, I don't know what this means, but I just need to sit next to this mourner as best I can. And... I had already started a dissertation proposal on a whole different, you know, a whole different topic and I canned it. And, um, and I was like, I don't know what this is. This is exciting. This feels necessary and hard. And this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. <And, laughs> oh. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. And so, and as I can, as I started to, to sit with that further and be like, okay, what, what do I already, what's already here? And that was the hand to forehead moment of like, oh, like I grew up with my father pathologizing my mother um, and her, her moods, her unhappiness, essentially, you know, anything she did or say that he didn't like, he would throw under the umbrella of PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Mind you, my father is not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I was just wondering. <laughs> I 
was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. You know, and this Why is, is even... the DSM language there. <laughs> yeah. And this is like before the age of Google too. So I don't know where or how he picked up this term. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but he found it. And I, I remember one time being a little kid and my parents had argued and my mom had like got in the car and drove off to like blow off steam and get some air. And I was so upset. And he, he said, you know, Roxanne, one day I'll tell you like what this is all about. Like one day I'll let you in kind of on this secret. And I really held on to that. I was like, oh, like there's a reason for all of this. You know, there's a reason why they, they fight. And I held on to it. And he's like, you know, when you get big, like when you get older, I'll, I'll tell you. And so years pass and I remember this and I, I, I go up to him I'm like, dad, you know, remember when you said X, Y, Z, like what, what was like, what's, what's the secret? And he started laughing and, and he's like, oh, it's just that, you know, she's getting her period. Oh, <laughs> I don't remember what exactly. was your reaction. Oh, I was so pissed. I was so pissed. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I was, I don't know, probably about 14, 15, maybe when he told me this. And, um, and I had, I had had my period. I got my period when I was nine. So I, I just felt my anger in that moment, which I didn't even really fully express to him because I didn't really feel like there was a point, but it was just the silencing of what I saw of my mother's experience and all of her different needs that weren't being met, her unresolved traumas, like, like the context of her life, basically. Mm. And how that was showing up in their arguments and whether or not this was at all timed with her cycle, I don't know. Um, And she doesn't know. She, as many women, didn't pay attention to her cyclicity and, Mm -hmm. you know, didn't know what phase she was in from, from another, which is you know, a very usual situation. But the story of it, you know, of, oh, mom's upset because she's hormonal, because she's premenstrual, because, you know, since menstruation is, is, um, has been thought of like the marker of womanhood, it's like, oh, because she's a woman. And it just felt so binding to me. And absolutely. Yeah. So that, that is, and that was a very, very much a part of the day to day life of growing up and really seeing just the limited space for representation to what my mom was experiencing and just how there, how there wasn't um, any kind of befriending or curiosity or acceptance or conversation or relating going on to 
to the different parts of herself that wanted to be met. And how different it would be if the secret (laughs) that your dad wanted to share was like, your mom's going through this magical Mm. time, Mm -hmm. this like every month. And maybe I don't get it, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but it's like alive and there's life-giving quality there and who knows what's happening in this magical, beautiful way. That would have been a whole different story. Whole different story. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And so that, um, you know, attending to that and and understanding that this was kind of this menstrual backdrop. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, and realizing too, like, you know, and I, it definitely exists in my family. And I think it is very alive in our culture of, you know, if a woman has a strong feeling or thought or opinion, you know, how the cycle or cyclicity is like weaponized to silence or dismiss or devalue. Yeah, it's rampant. Mm -hmm. And so of what it's like to make space for like a completely other approach, like you're suggesting, you know, like the magic, (laughs) Um, a whole different way of welcoming in the cycle. And so like, that's part of like the personal um, motivation for me, again, knowing that like, of the personal experience of my mom and then just knowing how historically this is such a common story of really making space to listen and get to know who shows up at different phases of the cycle, all phases. And, um, and one thing that I lead my clients through is getting to know their various menstrual selves and um, the premenstrual self as she may show up in different ways every cycle and how sometimes she can be this kind of dark informant as I like to say (laughs) You know, Dark that her, informant. Me- yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> her message may be raw. Yes. It may be screaming. Um, and, and what it's like not to judge her or reduce her to hormones, but to really yeah. be curious about her. I think that is so um, important. You know, even, even women that and and myself I've done it but that I've worked with and just here you know in my friendship circles or uh, other arenas in psychology even there is this dismissing of what might happen what messages we're getting what we're saying what we're bothered by what we're alive by when we're on our period Mm -hmm. and it it does get reduced to Oh, are you on your cycle? And then the, it's like full stop period there. 
in, mm-hmm. in not a good way, in a silencing way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not the kind that like claims it and says, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yes. Tell me more about who, who you see in your different phases of the cycle or who your clients see. Yeah. Um, you know, oftentimes as we get to know if it's a, a kind of, if it is a moody menstrual self that comes through that oftentimes she's a tremendous advocate for what like the woman really wants or needs at that point in her life. Yeah. And really uncompromising about it. I completely (laughs) experienced that. (laughs) (laughs) And I've, I've begun to listen more on like, certain parts of my cycle because of that that very raw as you said like unabashed self that screams what she knows she wants mm-hmm. yeah and how like, there's this kind of thinning of the veil that happens yeah at that phase you know and and in the body premenstrually like we heat up our body temperature is higher than at any other point, like after ovulation. And I kind of think about this as this internal pressure cooker for our stuff. And, you know, whatever our, you know, kind of ovulatory or post-bleeding inner springtime selves who feel a little bit lighter, very focused, a little bit more maybe extroverted or go-getting and clear, you know, they, they move through the world in a different way. They have their gifts. They have their own style of being. And the menstrual self, kind of from an archetypal perspective, her style of being and what she has to offer is, is different. And it can show up as like a desire to um, kind of clear discern, get rid of things, relationships, <laughs> jobs, people, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> you know, really ground <laughs> into like, okay, this is what really works. You know, it's kind of like a, an inner editor in a way and, yes. and can kind of like really there, there is such resource I mean, at each each phase of the cycle, and I'm, I'm emphasizing the the, men, the premenstrual and the menstrual because they're the ones that usually get the worst rap. You know that those marginalized parts of our psyche can really show up, and they want attention. And you know what it's like to befriend these marginalized parts of the psyche again. Um, Rather than silence them or just think, okay, that's like a negative mindset that I need to get rid of. But I'm just being curious of like, okay, like what is, who's here? What does she need? What does she get? What's important to her? And what does she get to experience when she receives what she truly needs? And typically there's a real softening. that happens mm. when the menstrual self gets what she needs. Mm. Yeah. I experience in a very spontaneous, quick 
way, like a deep breath and relief, which mm. usually tells me like, that's really what I need to do. Mm. And what you're saying makes so much sense because um, during the menstrual cycle, we're shedding, we're letting something come off of us and sever from us and die. And it just is so in alignment if that dark, moody part of us, and maybe it's not so dark and moody for some people, but that part of us that just knows exactly what needs to die and let go and end. Mm -hmm. And it can be, um, at least for me, a good wake up. Yeah, there's this wonderful, like, death and rebirth that is in potential every cycle, I feel. And, you know, and I know mm -hmm. some women who, who love to bleed and love the sensuality of the premenstrual and menstrual time, of like the way that their body feels, the way that they want to respond to food and, you know, the way that they want to dress or just their whole sensual ex experience shifts. Mm. and wow. for some it's all then like a question of like one I a couple of clients I have like really feel really sexual really gorgeous really powerful when they bleed and it's like this relief like you're saying this like letting go and really being in themselves and then the invitation being okay and how does this cycle through to the next phase you know, where like of how to carry that kind of gift of like renewal um, mm -hmm. and, and integrate it. It's like if you think about maybe this, I'm not, I think this might be a helpful analogy. Like if you go through like a, a retreat weekend or a deep ritual or initiation or something or a vision quest, and it's amazing. And you have all these insights and all of these openings. And then it's like, yes. And what does this look like in the rest of my life? How do we bring this in? Yeah. And that's one thing that like, I'm really like the idea of like the sacred space, like space is a main, I don't know. I feel like it's a big topic space. Um, space, yeah. <laughs> space for ourselves, space for discernment, you know, uh, space to bleed, space taking to up space. taking up space, exactly, occupying space, having yourself represented in cultural space, space and relationships, um, womb space. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The universe <laughs> right inside our bodies. That yeah. kind of space. That kind of like outer, outer space and inner space. <laughs> yeah, like all of those spaces. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's something that I am thinking about every day and we're creating poetry here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just shift gears all together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll be next time. Oh, <laughs> it's, but it's like, you know, the need for 
like, yeah, all, and navigating how to navigate all these different spaces and what they and what wants to be integrated and what is, you know, what just wants to be its own space. You know, it's, it's like of to ground this of like, you know, the space to, to, to discern like, okay, what am I carrying that isn't mine? Like what have I inherited from my family, from culture, from, you know, different perspectives that I grew up with about what it is to be a woman, a person with a female anatomy, what it is to menstruate, have children, not have children, like all of these things. (laughs) Yeah. You know, to have this space Mm -hmm. to discern that and to really connect with what feels authentic and to like cultivate a fuller dynamic sense of self and not get caught into uh, a single role because even if that role is true and meaningful usually there are other roles that also want to be a part of life Mm -hmm. the multiplicity yeah (laughs) right and how to like how to navigate that and so often um women will in my experience can like they'll find a sense of spaciousness that can that feels really good or safe when it's like in solitude and and then it feels like well being in a relationship or having a different kind of job may like you know or just like it feels really vulnerable the space you know, and I've definitely experienced this myself. Like I've, I've, I've had, you know, there's a big part of me that's like a total lone wolf. <laughs> mm, yeah. And how to bring a sense of connection to my own inner multiplicity, my changing nature, my cyclicity, all the different things and parts of myself that make me me how to bring that into my life and you know be in relationships or navigate different spaces or whatever um and and it's it's this kind of I, I feel like we're in this moment where this is all being very much uh explored yeah very much. We have a lot more language for this and more connection and uh, collaboration around it and bringing each other forward in support. So with this, Roxanne, I know you also work with dreams a lot. Mm. And I'm wondering if there is a dream or dream fragment that has been striking you lately or been alive with you? Hmm. Yeah, I'm recalling a dream. Oh, I wish I had my journal at hand. Been dreaming so much lately. 
Have you? Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm. Do you want to get it or does what feels right here? It's not close enough. Um, yeah. Thank you. Mm. Take your time. Yeah, no, there's one in particular that I'm trying to draw up right now. <laughs> we'll see if it'll mm-hmm. if it's gonna cooperate with yeah. me. It wants to showcase. Yeah. Mm. It does have its own life, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Its own autonomy in a way. Yeah. Oh, I'll go with the dream I had this morning. Okay. So this morning I dreamt of coastal mountains in California. Mm. Um, that are not on fire. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and being in these mountains and having this wonderful view of the ocean and there were these kind of in the dream the language was mountain tidal tide pools these like crevices in the mountains that were once tide pools and they were filled with flowers and the california poppy that orange wonderful poppy flower was blue And it was really beautiful and kind of had this surreal quality. And it's this familiar kind of landscape where I've spent a good number of years living in California. And that landscape is really, really dear to me. You know, and I am thinking about the dream now and that I had it this morning before our conversation today. And I've been thinking about this topic of space, (laughs) you know, where the land of California um, has really offered me a lot of space. And I would say through being with and on the land out there when I was, when I was really kind of going deep and I did you know my graduate studies out there it was like through kind of dreaming and thinking and wrestling with the land um, that I was able to find greater inner space Mm. and it's been a few years since I've been to California and And it was in the dream where I'm looking into these mountaintop tide pools of blue poppy flowers. And it felt like the blue color, like it changed from orange to blue. And it was this kind of this, like there was this sort of feeling tone of sadness and nostalgia. Mm. Mm -hmm. And in the dream, I found myself saying a lot of things like, well, this is where I used to, and back when I was here, I did this, all this kind of past tense stuff. And this kind of recognizing that, like, 
yes, like this actual place um, opened up this inner space within me. And, and I think there are, I know there are times when I long for that landscape to hold space for me. Mm-hmm. And I also know that while, you know, I'm sure I'd feel great if I went back to visit, um, that there's something about like the practice of space within myself that, you know, no longer needs to or can or wants to be held by that particular landscape. Mm. If that makes sense. You know, feeling into it again, like just taking it as a dream that came forward on on the day of our talk and embodiment and, you know, embodying our nature, embodying ourselves, period of, you know, it's kind of like this remembrance, you know, of like, there is inner space. (laughs) You know, and like, yeah, this actual place held that for you. And you're like, you know, and just kind of pointing my attention towards what's holding it for me now. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the ways of of practicing and enacting and living space and all these different ways that we're talking about right and like taking mm-hmm. up space and holding space there's so much that's breathing about what you're saying mm-hmm. and it almost it made me think of this this actual place being more physical marker for a birth of your inner space mm-hmm. like a home in yeah. a way, and yet there's this part of you that wants maybe a, a, a different embodiment of that or separation from physical, actual place, but taking that with you in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are my words, but yeah. that's just what it made me think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's part of what in like where i find my own like daily sense of aliveness is in like kind of these very mundane <laughs> small moments of and and in that like of rounding into where i am in the hudson valley mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and like the present really I don't know how else to say it of yeah you know and that of remembering that space is here yeah and it's wherever you are Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, thank you for sharing that Mm mm-hmm 
And I'm very excited to share with everyone your meditation on rewilding your sexual ecology. Mm. And that'll be coming up here and linked to your episode as well. Do you want to say anything about that? Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, we've been talking a lot about menstrual selves and another piece here is our sexual selves. Um, and likewise, you know, how knowing the different figures of our sexual essence can bring us home to our kind of native, wild, inner sexual landscape. And so this offering of rewilding your sexual ecology is an invitation to journey into your inner native sexual landscape and taking multiple levels of life force, you know, kundalini energy, arousal, desire, joy, where you feel aliveness, um, and to see who comes through. You know, I've invited women to explore, you know, where they feel most centrally alive. And, and the images that sometimes come through have oftentimes even nothing to do with a bedroom, you know, or a partner even. It's like being barefoot and singing in their kitchen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, nice. you know, where you feel like your body just feels like expansive. And, you know, it's an invitation to really kind of locate that and, you know, having this ecological amplification of, of reintroducing that wild native sexual archetype, essence, species <laughs> into yeah. the landscape of your life, you know? And how to have it take up space and how to have, you know, imagine it forward and to experiment in introducing, reintroducing your native wild sexual essence into your life, you know, from the day to day to your sexual pleasure, you know, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Yes. <laughs> That's it's it's really lovely. So um, I invite everyone to check that out. It's some of the words I wrote down were rivers and vital energy. Mm. And I really liked that. Mm. Thank you for offering that. And would you like to say anything about um, your hypnotherapy, the free downloads you have, or the workshops that you offer in New York? Um workshops and retreats. You also have one-on-one -on -one sessions and a million things that you're offering that are just gorgeous, magical, and uh, look so meaningful. Mm, thank you. Yeah, you can check out. I have several free downloads um, of hypnotherapy practices that run 20, 30 minutes long. There's one called Remembering Womb, which is a wonderful way to drop into your womb space with some really nurturing energy. So I always recommend that as a way to kind of befriend womb space. And um, 
kind of return to yourself. I think it's a great way to ground. And there's several others there too that you can explore and check out. I have monthly women's councils called Body Storm. And we're going on a brief winter hibernation after this month, but we'll be coming back in the spring. And those take the form of a talking circle that have both verbal and movement and visioning involved here um, in Hudson, New York. And then there's Flame Retrieval, which is a retreat coming up in April. It's a weekend retreat held here in Hudson. And it's a really in-depth body, soul, spirit, heart, mind kind of initiation into tending your inner flame and retrieving your inner flame if it feels lost or low and um, whether that you know be showing itself through creative blocks or shut down in the body and really welcoming in wherever you are so often I I hear from women like is it okay if I if I bring my story here? Is is it too negative? Is it too dark? Am I going to overwhelm you? Is this too much? And to all of that, I say, welcome. <laughs> Come, mm-hmm. you know, is this shameful? You know, and there's such vital life force mm-hmm. in that darkness. Mm-hmm. And so really welcoming that, not only in, yeah, definitely the flame, tre- flame retrieval retreat, but in all of these different doorways into embodying yourself fully in your life. Thank you. That's wonderful. And where can people find that? Embodyperiod.com slash workshops. Thank you. Roxanne, uh, I feel like we could talk for days <laughs> and a long time. And um, is there anything now that's coming up that feels vital or alive to share or to say mm. as we close here today? I think something that I would love to water the ears of listeners (laughs) with (laughs) is that soul is revealing itself to you through your embodied experience whether it's menstrually or sexually related or behavioral or story to remember and to be curious about how is soul showing up through this? What is soul expressing through this? And to turn towards yourself just as you'd want to turn towards a beloved, just as you'd want a beloved to turn towards you to turn towards yourself with curiosity 
and openness. And to invite yourself through these moments back to yourself. Thank you. Mm. I hear that. Mm. I hear you. Thank you so much. Thank you for watering my ears. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I wish we could talk so much more. We will. All the correlations between your work and this could go on and on. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much, Roxanne. It's been fabulous to have you. Mm. It's been so good to be here. Thank you. Wow, I was so grateful to have you, Roxanne, on the show. And I learned so much and just your vibrancy calls forward so much in me that um, remembers myself and imagination and bringing forward my process and really embracing it. You are this validating force for embracing what is real, and true and alive thank you so much and all of you out there listening thank you for joining us i hope this was inspiring to you as well and be sure to listen to roxanne's meditation on rewilding your sexual ecology which is in connection with this episode but will come out later this week if you're subscribed if you want to go straight to the website and find it right now, you can find it at CandiceWu.com slash Roxanne. And Roxanne has two ends. Before we go and end with a couple of reverberations of Roxanne's work, I want to invite you to connect with me on my newsletter that comes out once or twice a month at CandiceWu.com slash Embody, where you can receive updates about where I am in the world and what's happening with the horses or uh receive self-love notes and updates about the podcast. And be sure to check out Roxanne's work at embodyperiod.com. So I want to echo her words. How is soul showing up through this? What of soul is showing through my experience? And also to ask you, what is your story? What is the backdrop of your menstrual story? Thanks so much for joining us today on the Embody Podcast and see you next time.